Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Okay, I do. I'm really excited to be able to speak to the moms, but I just want to say from the, the start that if you're not a mom, um, if you're not a woman, Hang with me. I am hoping to address something that is common to us as humans, common in our humanity. And so hopefully I can, I'll share a little bit of our common struggle and we'll all leave a little bit lighter. Okay. Um, so often when I engage with moms, I hear really, really good ideas. Um, some things that people are doing that I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have done that. Like I hear, sometimes I hear moms talk about, you know, we have not done sugar. Our kids are like three and, and we just don't do sugar in our house. And I think that brilliant, great idea. I wish I would have done that. But instead this is, I have a picture of Aiden from a young age. Here we go. It's my happy heart. So yeah, that's the container of cool whip. Like that looks like fun, right? Like here, honey, I just, one day I was just like, it just hit me. Like, I like Cool Whip. You might like Cool Whip. So, but you know, so, but oh, good idea. Oh, that was such a good idea. Or some people don't do screens for the first few years of life. Like we just don't introduce TV or movies. Well, when my kids were really young, um, there was this trend. There were these baby Einstein DVDs, right? Right. And they, they thought that TV, this, it was like good. It was like, sim, it would like simulate, no, nope, stimulate the brain. And this was a good thing. And so I would prop my kids in their bouncy seat. They're like nine months, right? I put this DVD in. They were propped up right against that TV, <laughs> watching like puppets and like a little bit of like, classical music and and now they're like no no you shouldn't do tv you know oh i wish i would have known or um people who talk about how their kids don't do social media or phones until like junior high or high school and i'm like double thumbs like that is a great idea great idea well we had a kindle our kids had a, a kindle and we thought that we had this thing locked down but just recently like two months ago our kids came to us and they're like no, no, no. There was a back way. Like we were, we were surfing the WWW. You thought we were reading Percy Jackson for hours. And no, little did you know, mom and dad were like, oh, you know, again, <laughs> we blew it. Right. But hear how some of you do discipline, um, you know, and just a, a way you do chores and money with your kids or God with your kids. And I think, oh, Brilliant! Like, I wish I would have known what you know. I wish I would have done it like that. I, I think I look at that. I'm like, that is better parenting happening in that house. And I wish that I had done it like that. And I don't know um, where you guys are, but one of my biggest struggles in life, but especially with parenting, is this sense of self criticism, self-doubt, um, never really feeling like it was sat- I, I satisfied with the job. It was never really enough. And I wonder, can you relate? Maybe if not in your parenting, but in your, in your workplace, in your job, maybe in your personal growth, maybe in your relationship with the Lord, your, this way you do your connection with God, or maybe your marriage, maybe there's an area of your life. And I just wonder uh, of us as people, is much of anything that we do ever really good enough? Or maybe here's a better way to ask. When you think about the inner voice inside, are you more familiar with a voice of criticism or a voice of celebration? 
What just seems to be a little bit more familiar in the inner workings of your life? And I was thinking about this message and I was thinking, man, as a mom, if there was one thing that I wish that I had gotten a grasp on early on, if there was one thing that someone had helped me just get over the hump of from an earlier, much earlier age, it would be this one thing. Like I want us, us as a people to settle this one thing ASAP and it is the right response to the inner critic. The right response to the inner critic, because that inner critic that is always saying everybody else is better than you. (laughs) That inner critic that says you should be farther along in this area. You should be farther along in your development here, in your growth here, right? That inner critic that says if you were better, they wouldn't be having these problems, right? That would be so much better if you could just figure this out. So I want us to know what do we say? How do we respond to that inner critic that is never totally fully satisfied in any and every area of our lives? We need some words worth repeating. That's what we need. We need some words worth repeating to ourselves. We need some words that are worth repeating to hand down to people who are coming along behind us because this is common humanity right here. This sense of this never enough, always should be better. Is it ever really done? So what are some words worth repeating when we begin to sense regret or that inadequacy of our own lives? What will silence those, that critical voice that's mostly coming from within? Well, I want to find some words worth repeating from Jesus himself. The words sent from the father, right? He has some words for us today. And I want to share a story from the life of Jesus. And as I share the story, I want you to be looking. I want you to look. What can you help? Can you discover? Like, what is Jesus's answer to the critic in the room? What is Jesus saying to the critical voice? And I want us to be able to recognize, okay, we have some, we have, uh, we need some answers that would silence the critic that is hanging around on the interior of our lives. Let's find an answer worth repeating. When you begin to wonder, is my work any good? Is my gifting really valuable? You know, is my effort enough? Have I done enough? Is my parenting any good at all? And we're going to look at this story from Mark 14. Okay, this is Mark 14. And um, we're going to read this, this story. And I want you to help me find this answer. Okay, so here we go. And I hope my version matches your version. I had a little PowerPoint snafu this morning. Should be close. All right, so here we go. So it's about Jesus. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the Leopard, Leopard. <laughs> this font is so tiny. I'm like, what's going on? I have so many problems this morning. Okay. <laughs> oh, Simon, you're a leper. Okay. All right. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But, um, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. 
She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. So here is Jesus enjoying a quiet dinner party at a leopard's house. And, um, and into the room <laughs> walks a woman with a gift for Jesus. And she comes in and she approaches Jesus very unexpectedly, um, without being asked, with this expensive jar of perfume. And she takes it and she breaks it over Jesus' head and drenches him with this perfume, right? And this prompts quite a reaction in the room. There are these other guests in the room and they start talking. There is chatter in the room and they, it says this, that they were talking to each other indignantly. Now this is a hot reaction. This is not a mild reaction. This word in the Greek, it means like greatly, greatly afflicted, like grieved, like they, this is not mild. They are hot. These are the critics in the room and they begin rebuking this woman harshly. Why this waste of perfume, right? They're like, you could have taken that money and done so much more with it. You could have taken it and helped the poor, right? And this is their take on her effort. Wasteful, wasteful. What you've done is wasteful. You should have done better with what you had. You could have done more with that. That gift should have been used differently. It should have had better impact, better results, a better trajectory towards the future here, right? And then there's another voice above the murmurs, the voice of Jesus. And I want us to look, was he, did he have a different perspective than the critics in the room? Is he disappointed with this gift? Is he harsh? Does he think that she should have done better with what she brought? Does he want more? Well, here's what Jesus thinks. His answer is this. He says, beautiful. She has done a beautiful thing. This is what the scripture says, beautiful. And he goes on to say more. And he says, in fact, wherever, wherever the gospel goes, this story is so important to me that what she did is so meaningful that this story is going to be told throughout history. It's going to be told throughout history and throughout the world, the farthest reach of where a story could go. This isn't like a headline here one week and gone the next, right? No, he is, this is so important to him. Do you see what he does? He attaches it to the gospel. He gives it gospel wings and those things can fly, right? Like he knows that, that the reality of his death and life and resurrection is going to have ripple effects throughout history. So he attaches what she just did to that gospel message. This is newsworthy to Jesus. This is noteworthy to Jesus. This is repeatable and repostable, right? As far as the gospel will go, this message of this woman and what she gave will go with it. This is what Jesus wanted, talked about. It was that important to him. And so I want us to drill down. Okay, so what was so important to Jesus? What does he say is beautiful? Well, it's this one simple sentence. That's sandwiched in this story. And here's what Jesus says. She did what she could. Do you see that? She did what she could. It was beautiful. It was worthy enough to be attached to the gospel and to be repeated again and again and again and again. So simple, but so powerful. She did what she could. 
So I want us to think for a second about what these words, she did what she could, would mean to us in our lives today. And I have two just little, simple little bits that I want to pull to the surface. And the first one is this. This is what I think that this story means, these words mean to us today. Number one, that we can show up with what is on our shelves too. We can show up with what's on our shelves too. So this woman, she already had something in her possession, in her home, on her shelf that would minister deeply to Jesus, didn't she? She already had this gift, this offering that would move his heart, that would be beautiful to him. She already had it on her shelves. And this is, this is so Jesus, because remember, when in um, Luke 21, where Jesus is hanging around outside the temple and there is an offering baskets there and he's watching the people come by and he sees the wealthy putting in like handfuls of, of money, but it's just like a real small portion of what they had, the wealthy. And then this widow, this woman, this poor woman who has nothing, remember she comes to the offering and she puts in two mites. And now a mite in this day was the smallest and the least valuable coin in circulation, right? Least possible thing that you could put in an offering. She puts in two and Jesus sees that that was all she had. And she puts that in and Jesus is like, again, amazed, blown away by the gift that she gave. Right. And so Jesus honors this simple, small offering there. And also here And sometimes the smallest offering is the most generous to Jesus. Sometimes it's just the smallest thing that moves him. Right. And because small offerings greatly impact Jesus, you don't have to go upgrade what you already have in your life. You don't have to go upgrade what you already have to make it matter to Jesus. This is such good news. What you already have on the shelves of your life is enough for Jesus. He isn't asking you to go away. He didn't ask her to go back and get something that was a little bit more wow factor, right? He isn't asking you to come back when you have something better. As soon as I have a ministry... I don't know what we tell ourselves. As soon as I really understand the whole of the Bible, then I'll be able to bring something worthy, right? As soon as I write the book, as soon as I complete this program, I I don't know what, again, what it is that we tell ourselves. As soon as I can fix this flaw, as soon as I can give God more time consistently, well, then I will have something worthy of Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this, she did what she could of what she had available. And Jesus says the same thing. I see what you have available on the shelves of your life. I see, I see your background. I see who you are in your personality. I see the resource that you have available to you. I know what was handed to you from where you, where you came from, from where you grew up. Right. I see you in your circumstance, in your gifting. I see you in your possibility in all I ask is that you offer it back. That's all I ask, that you give what is on your shelf like a generous gift. That matters to Jesus. That moves him. She did what she could. So please, just show up with what is on the shelf of your life. And I'm not saying like, hey, okay, that means that I can just bring Jesus like sloppy seconds, right? Like I can just bring out the expired garbage off my shelf and like, you know, that's all I have to do. Or I can just show up, like keep, keep, you know, making a mess and just keep showing up. No, no, no. 
This jar of perfume was expensive, right? It was worth something to this woman. It was her future, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying she did what she could means she bought, she brought the best of her current life. And so can we, right? So can we. That's the first thing I want us to do is just to recognize something within my reach that is already on the shelf of my life will minister deeply to Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. In this world, there will always be a demand for sold for more. There will always be a pull towards sold for more. We are so familiar with the voices in this room. Like we get them. We, we, they're familiar. We totally understand. We're comfortable with the rebuke. We're so used to, you could have done better. Aren't we? Like, this is the way our society goes. I love the advances that we're making, but along with it is a lot of junk. And one of that junk is constant self-improvement. Constant self-improvement. You should be better at this. You could be better at this. You could just read another book. You could just get another, you know, mentor. You could just da, 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 da. And growth is good, but the pull, you guys, the pull of the society is sold for more. It always should have been more. It always should have been upgraded. It always should have been more impactful, better results. Are you with me on that? And this perspective makes so much sense to us, right? You should have been a better mom. You should have been a less anxious leader. You should have been a more faithful follower, right? Like this is the message. We are so quick to shame what we bring to our jobs What we bring to our parenting, our relationships, our people should have been more, should have been more. But what I want us to just see so clearly, the response of Jesus was not echoing the critics in the room. It was not like the world would say he isn't just another murmuring voice in the room of critics. He doesn't look at what you bring saying, I wish that was more like Molly. That was sweet. You know, like good, good try with your, your parenting there. Good try. But I wish you got it together, Molly. I wish it was more. It's not what he is saying. After I was looking at the scripture, I was actually at Panera, um, the unlimited sips club. Woo. We love our unlimited sips club. And I was just looking at the scripture and I just was like writing about it and just writing what I felt like Jesus was saying. And as I'm working, um, there's a man a couple tables over and he's all set up with his computer and his work stuff and his unlimited sips and he's on the phone and I can't help it. I'm eavesdropping, but I can't help it. He was talking loudly. This was not like a like hushed conversation. He's talking really loud. He's talking to a client or whatever and he's talking about a scan that he recently had and that he was needing another surgery. He's talking about the surgery and the scan and these medical things. And as he's talking about it, I felt God prompt me to pray for him for healing. And instantly that prompting comes and instantly is like this, like, oh no, like, oh no, you're asking me to do that. And that means this is going to be so awkward. It means I have to go up to him and say, I was eavesdropping, you know, like you didn't tell me, but here I am. Like, let me pray for you. And I'm just battling and battling like, oh, can I do this? Can I not do it? And then I was like, but what if God does something great? What if, what if God does something great in this moment? And then I'm like, all right, I'm in, like, I'm going to do this. So I was getting ready to leave. I packed my stuff up, was like walking towards him. And I just, I just stopped and I said, yep, 
I was eavesdropping. I totally busted myself, but I heard about your upcoming surgery. And can I just pray for you? Can I pray for healing? And his answer, he said, no, I'm Catholic. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. But so instantly I'm trying to make a bridge to him. Like, oh, Catholic, oh, good. I'm like, I believe in God of the Bible too. You know, like, I'm not crazy. You know, like, whatever you think of me, like, okay. But I know God too, right? And so um, so I asked him his name and we were talking. He was telling me about his his surgery. And, um, and I said, oh, yeah, I know I know this God too, you know? And And then he said, My mom is in Ireland. He has this great Irish accent and she's keeping a candle burning for me. Like I'm covered. Right. And, um, and I was like, yes, like she, she has faith. Like, yes, like she's holding on to faith for you. I'm just again, trying to make connections to him. And we chatted and Kevin came over and, and then, you know, I just said, I'm going to be praying for you. And I walked out and I went to my car and I got in my car and instantly a wave of, just disappointment washed over me. And I'm like, I blew it. I didn't pray for him. This was a failure. I took the easy way out. You're supposed to be a pastor. Where's the fruit? Like I am just going, just going. And this is like 10 minutes after deep in the scripture. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And I am just like, the worst of the worst, you know, I'm like, just, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And Instantly, God interrupted. I could hear his voice. And some of you wonder, like, how do you hear God's voice? Well, it was like a thought. My thoughts are going this way, right? Negative. And instantly, God comes in with this thought. And he says, she did what she could. She did what she could. And I was like, I did do what I could. I did. I took some risk. I, I tried to make connections to him. And I was like, he said no. You know, like that's what happened is, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like say I'm doing it anyways. And it was like this instant sense of relief. That's how I can describe it. It was an instant sense of peace over me and my essence and who I am and my, you know, my love for Jesus. It was, it was like, I got to celebrate for a minute with Jesus. And instead of driving home, in a ton of regret and condemnation and a ton of like promises of what I'm going to do next time for you. I got to feel the father's love and I got to hear this sweet voice of Jesus. She did what she could. It was beautiful, Molly. Thank you. That was beautiful to me. And in that moment, I was like, yes, this is what the scripture means, right? Celebration, sense of God's approval, and his joy and his victory. And I wonder what would it look like? What would it be like for us to live in these freeing, comfort, comforting, powerful words of Jesus? She did a beautiful thing. He did a beautiful thing. She did what she could. He did what he could. What would it be like? Well, I picture it like this. Our kids, um, went to preschool, um, and every year before, right before Christmas break, um, they would spend several days working on a project, a secret project at preschool, right? And that day before Christmas break, they would come bouncing into the car at pickup line with a, a gift bag, right? It all decorated out gift bag and a gift in it and a homemade card, and they were just over the moon about whatever was in this bag, right? And we would come home, and we would put it under the tree, and you better believe Christmas morning, the first thing that is opened 
is the gift to mom and dad, right? That's the first thing that is torn open. And they just come bounce like open mind, open mind, open mind, right? And so here's an example of, of one of the, the Christmas gifts that Cole, I think Cole made this one. If we have it there, it is, it's an ornament and yep, it's a paper plate covered in fell, but that is solid beadwork. I mean, look at, look at, and those ribbons are sewn in and the detail and the, I love heart you, you know, like that is just glorious work right there. Right now, I put that out every year. Still, it's been like 18 years. That puppy is on the tree every year. I love that. Why do I love it? He did what he could, right? There it is. He did what he could. Now, yes, it's on Pottery Barn, right? And Joanna Gaines would, it would never be on a Joanna Gaines Christmas tree. I, I get it. I get it. But this is my son. He did what he could. He did what he could. And so this is what I want. This is the image that I want us to have in our minds with the same excitement that my kids bounce into the car with the ornament in the gift bag. I run into life. I run into the room of my life with the jar from my shelf with the same excitement, with the same confidence, with the same enthusiasm. I run into all of my life, my parenting, my work life, my relationships, my spiritual life, I come in with what I have willingly, generously, confidently, sure that it will be a beautiful thing to Jesus, right? Sure of it, that he is going to see it and go, there it is. She did what she could. It's a beautiful thing to me. Like, open it, open it. Like, look what I brought you today, right? This is what, how I want us to approach all of our lives. So sure. That whatever limits there may be to it will be covered by an unlimited God, right? Absolutely sure. This is how I have to look at my parenting. Absolutely sure that all those holes, those gapes will be filled in by the love of God who promises to come and fill in where I left off, right? With whatever faith I have, I'm going to bring it in knowing that it's not going to go all the way, but the one who's faithful will finish it, right? Sure that, that, you know what? I look out over a circumstance and it doesn't look so good, but so confident that the hills are covered with the angel armies and that more are for me than are against me. Sure that even in the end, things that are dead will be resurrected. This is how we live by faith on this earth. Yep, I'm human. I am. I am humid, right? I can be truthful about that. Is my life going to be marked by greatness? No. You know, like is most of what I'm going to do just be mediocre? Probably. Yeah. Right. Like that is okay. I'm not going to be ultra impactful, right? I'm not going to be amazing at everything, but that is exactly why God promises to bring sufficient grace. He promises to bring, to be our help, to come and fill in in our weakness because we're human. We're, we're human, right? We're just it's us and our humanity. And a God who covers. So here's what I want us to do, you guys. When we hear that voice of inner critic, that shame, that regret, our inadequacy, I want us to repeat these words worth repeating to the critic in the room, the words of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Right? Leave her alone. That's our part. To start going Leave me alone. I hear the critic in the room. Leave me alone. And then in the place of those words, I think Jesus, like by his spirit, will do what he did with me in the Panera parking lot. 
You did what you could. I want to start hearing those words more often over my life, over your life. These words worth repeating. You did what you could. But I want us to kind of have these words like locked and loaded, right? They're going to take some practice. They're going to take some effort. We're making new inroads and new grooves and new tire marks in our inner world. And I want us to, I just wanted us to practice today. And I thought this would be just a fun practical exercise. That what I want us to do is just take one element of our lives where we tend to get negative about ourselves or about things pretty quickly. And maybe it's like your spiritual life. Maybe it's your work life or a relationship that you're in or your marriage or your parenting, you know? Um, and I want us to, to take one that we tend to have regret over. And what I want us to do is in a minute, we're just going to look out over the landscape of that area. Okay. And I want us to kind of identify the negative the negative thoughts that probably cycle through some of those negative messages, the critic in the room in that moment. So for instance, you know, maybe if you're thinking about your spiritual life, maybe some things you say to yourself regularly, you're like, man, you know, I just don't pray enough. Like I'm embarrassed by what I bring to God in this area. I have so much to learn, you know, like everyone else seems to really get it and to hear God. And I just, I don't. So we're just going to identify some of those negative messages. Okay. So let's start there. I think it's helpful to, I like to close my eyes because it's kind of prayerful. And I'd like you just to, again, pick one area of your life that you tend to go negative, tend to go dark. And then look out over the landscape of it and identify just some of the critical voices in that room. Now, here's your part. I want you to say the words of Jesus. Leave me alone. And then I want you to hear the words of Jesus. This is the scripture. This is the truth that we stand off where Jesus says you did what you could. You did what you could there. You're doing what you can. Right there in that area. I see what you're bringing me. You're doing what you can. And just let that sink in. Let it sink in with a sense of celebration and victory of God and approval of God. She did what she could. He did what he could. You're doing what you can do. Okay, so that hopefully, I I hope that that's just a little practice. What I want us to do is start making, like I said, new inroads, new grooves. And can you imagine your life in about a year from now, next Mother's Day? Can you imagine your life if you've taken some big steps forward, that you've stepped away from the voices in the room, the inner critic, and that you've been able to step into some of the peace and approval and rest of God who has provided and who will provide some of the celebration that you get to experience the victory. You get to walk in, in that area. Here's what's going to happen. As you make space there, you are going to become a set, a source of strength and encouragement to others, right? 
The more confident you are in the blessing of God, the more familiar you are in that, you begin to give it away to people around you, right? And that's what I want for us as a people. I want us to run into this room of opportunity of our lives with whatever offering that we have on ourselves, just undeterred by the critical voices. That's what I want for us. Because here's what I see. Jesus rebuked the critic and honored the willing. Rebuked the critic and honored the willing. And so will we. Okay? All right. Why don't we stand up and do a little ministry time. All right. All right. I'm just going to pray over us as a people. So if you would just join in, I'll pray and you guys just join in with what I'm sensing God say. But God, here we are. You know what's on the shelves of our lives. You know our backgrounds. You know the limps we've come in with. <laughs> and you know the design that you've put in us. You know our personalities, our backgrounds, our circumstances. You know what pulls us. You know what energizes us. And so God, we just want to willingly bring you the offering of our lives again. And God, where we have joined the voice of the critics in the room, right now we just say we're sorry. And we repent of that. It's not your way, and it's not your heart, and it's not what you're saying. And so we just want to break partnership with that critical spirit right now. And in its place, yeah, we say, we say to that critical spirit, leave me alone. And in its place, we take in the celebration of Jesus over who we are, what we have, what we're doing. And God, I pray that we would be a people that would just run into our life, run into our life, confident that what we have is enough. It's enough. It's good enough for you. And that we'll begin to enjoy what we have to bring, that we'll begin to enjoy it. Celebrate it as you do. I pray that we be a people that will carry the message of she did what she could and he did what he could. God, we, what we've put on people, when we put heavy, heavy burdens on people, I've done it a thousand times, God. We just say we want, we want to be like Jesus in this area. We want to cheer people on. We want to celebrate what people have. This is, these are the people we want to be. We want to honor the willing. And rebuke the critic, Jesus. And so God, right now I pray, especially over the women, where we've fallen into the comparison over and over and over again, where we've fallen into envy and jealousy over and over and over again. God, we just put up the ladder and climb our way out of the pit today on the truth, Jesus, the truth that you love what's on the shelves of our lives. You love it. You love it. Before you and you alone. We answer before you and you alone, Jesus.